You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So, I use the saw to split the pelvis, and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you by Go Hunt and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Sign up to become a Go Hunt Insider today at GoHunt.com. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitments as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of time and dollars back to fish and wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. Welcome to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I am your host, Marcus Ewing. Now, today on the podcast, I am joined by Sarah Day, and Sarah is a real estate agent for... Berkshire Hathaway Home Services in the Bozeman, Montana area. Uh, Sarah and I really get to talk about a lot of things, uh, real estate and, and Bozeman and conservation related in today's conversation. Sarah talks about uh, you know, what really led her um, down the path to, to become a real estate agent uh, and also what was it that encouraged her um, to become 2% certified. 
Uh, currently, as it stands, Sarah is the only um, real estate agent out there uh, that is 2% certified. So uh, a very big um, congratulations and props to her for um, for being that uh, only person at this point. Um, and she's really hoping that by this conversation as well, that she'll be able to encourage some other real estate agents um, to become 2% certified as well. Uh, we really get into um, Sarah being an adult onset hunter. Uh, what the scope of conservation kind of looks like um, in the uh, greater Bozeman area and how she is trying to make an impact there uh, as much as possible and where she sees, um, you know, areas of opportunity um, to help preserve and protect wild places and the wildlife um, in kind of her home area there. So uh, really fun conversation with Sarah. Uh, if anyone is in the market uh, in the Bozeman area, I highly suggest um, reaching out to Sarah. Uh, so episode 39, Sarah Day of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Hope you guys enjoy. All right. With me today on the podcast today, I have 2% certified real estate agent for Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Sarah Day. Sarah, how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah, of course. No, I'm excited to talk to you. The first um, the first person that's uh, kind of in this side or in this space, let's call it, uh, as far as real estate goes, um, that we've had on the podcast. Uh, so I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be the first 2% realtor, and I really hope I'm not the last. Yeah, no, no, no. That's, that was one of the things I was going to bring up, was that, yeah, right as it stands right now, I know that Jared and Kelvin, they're always kind of working on um, you know new people and new brands uh, to bring on board to the 2% uh, portfolio. But yeah, right now, you are the first and only um, 2% certified, uh, real estate agent. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. I am, I know there's other agents in our area that, you know, give back to conservation. So hopefully they'll look into doing this, but, um, it's been kind of exciting and motivating for me to become part of this 2% family and see across the country how many people are thinking the same way. Yeah, it's, it's really incredible. So, I mean, before, um, my company became 2% certified. I was, uh, I had heard about it um, just through some other like companies and things like that that I follow on social media or companies that I just already use their products. But then like as you become a member and then really once the podcast started and you get to talk to all these different individuals who are affiliated in some way, shape or form with 2% for conservation. It's just, it's amazing the array of different companies that are out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is really cool to see. Yeah, so we touched on it uh, in in your in the introduction there. Um, you are a real estate agent, so kind of tell me about that. I mean, I know it seems pretty straightforward, but you're obviously there in Montana. Um, so, what did that process look like? Becoming an agent was it something that you always wanted to do? I I think in the back of my mind, I always knew I wanted to get into real estate. Um, my dad was an agent when I was younger. Um, I am an open house junkie. <laughs> My family would love to go look at property. Um, and I always thought it would be a good fit for me. But honestly, it took me a while to kind of to get to this path here. I knew from a very early age that I wanted to be um, involved in the conservation movement somehow, but wasn't quite sure how I could do that in the best way. Um, I'm not a science brain person, that's not my niche. I knew that wasn't a realistic path. Um, and so, you know, eventually, 
came to the conclusion um, that I wanted to be in real estate, but how could I feel good about being in real estate in Bozeman when there's so much growth and development and it's really changing the landscape of my home? Um, you know, so how can I get into it but feel good about what I'm doing? And during a training I was at for conservation easements actually to keep my um, certified public accounting license, I had this light bulb moment where I was like, I'm going to get into real estate. It's what I want to do. It's going to be so much fun. And I'm going to give back a portion of all my commissions to conservation efforts because it's the growth in this valley. We should leverage that to help protect our trails and open space because that's why everyone's moving here, right? They love, right. they love all that Bozeman has to offer. So it's my way of trying to find that balance. Yeah. And, that that right there, the word that you just said, balance, is, is such a key word when it comes to, I think, really anything um, kind of conservation related, especially um, like in, in your line of work with, uh, you know, working with development uh, or it just that's just kind of a natural part of real estate, right? There's going to be new developments and things like that, and it's going to have some effect on the wildlife, irregardless of whether you want to or you think it's going to. I mean, that's just kind of inherent in the nature of when you, you know, cut down land or, you know, woods or whatever you're doing to, to build homes or um, commercial buildings, whatever the case is. So yeah, finding that balance because yeah, it, that's going to happen, right? Like whether you're a real estate agent or someone else is like that, that development, the, the transaction of buying and selling homes, like that's going to happen. So if you decide you want to be a part of that, I think that's, that's awesome that you made the commitment to say, okay, I know what this is doing to the Boz the greater Bozeman area. Um, how can we minimize that as much as possible? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So <clears throat> how long have you been doing real estate? I am coming up on three years okay. doing real estate full time. Okay. So now you and I were talking a little bit before we uh, started recording here and you're originally from the Bozeman area. You grew up in that area. So how have you seen kind of the housing market like change over the last, let's say five to six years, because you, you kind of touched on it a little bit before that, you know, that's why so many, you know, the outdoors and everything that it has to offer is why so many people are, you know, moving in and trying to, to come to Montana. Yeah. So over the past, you know, just five to six years, Bozeman has seen a over 20% increase in population. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I moved back in 2010, and even then it felt a little bit more like the Bozeman I knew growing up, and then since then, it's just shifted. Um, you know, you'll be driving around town even now, and a road that used to be a dirt road my entire life is now paved, it has a roundabout or a stoplight, and I kind of catch myself like, where am I? <laughs> um, and, you know, all the... There's so many new subdivisions in town, I don't know the exact number, but they're popping up all the time, um, which is great for me as an agent, um, more inventory, but you know, it's it's just changing that landscape. You drive um, you know, into town and you know, you're no longer seeing just open farmland, you know, you're seeing these subdivisions. Um, and you know, in terms of that balance a lot of our local conservation groups, you know, they're acknowledging that this growth is going to happen. And so, you know, I understand that they're really focusing on areas, you know, a little further outside of town that aren't 
you know, as prime for this development immediately. So it, it's funny because, uh, you know, I was in Bozeman for a few days uh, this fall uh, and it wasn't like, I mean, I guess maybe I just didn't know what to expect with Bozeman as far as like the size of it and what it was actually going to look like. Look like. I mean, I'm I'm in southeast Michigan here, so a lot of people would consider it like metro Detroit area, uh, even though I'm an, over an hour from Detroit. Like it all just kind of sprawls out in all directions from from there. And it when we got to Bozeman, it seemed a lot like where I live now, right? Like it just I was a little surprised at like how how big and kind of um, I hate to say the word updated, but like just it didn't feel like um, what I expected, right? Like it's just it was just way more developed. And, you know, like you said, all the new um, subdivisions and everything like that. I mean, it was uh, yeah, it, it felt a little bit different than I expected. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. And, um, you know, so we have Bozeman and then surrounding Bozeman are a bunch of smaller towns. And over the past five years, those have started to kind of meld together. Mm-hmm. You know, this, the seams of where development start and end are, are much closer. Um, and that's probably a lot of what you saw. Yeah. And so now yeah. have you seen uh, a big effect? Like you talked about like the last, you know, handful of years or so with development and, and everything like the, 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 with Bozeman just kind of creeping out into these, these other smaller towns, have you seen, or have you, and or talk to anyone about like the effect that it's actually had kind of on the wildlife around there? You know, I can't say I've had direct conversations, um, but just from what you hear, I mean, you, you know, it's going to, to shift. Um, yeah. The more houses and traffic that, you know, happen, it shifts patterns and, um, you know, even things such as trail access, you know, public trail access, you'll hear, homeowners talk about that, you know, pushing wildlife further away, just the more people that are around. Um, so it's definitely, you know, another consideration how to find that balance of um, public access to land, but mm-hmm. also protecting wildlife. Um, and I think as Bozeman grows, that's going to be, you know, a little more complicated. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I think um, anytime that you kind of deal with, yeah, that that growth over such a, you know, such a large scale growth over such a short period of time. Yeah. It's, there's definitely going to be some implications. Um, but again, you know, being able to combat that as much as possible, being 2% certified, uh, that's, that, that's kind of the most that you can do or, you know, to, to try to mitigate that as much as possible, you know? Mm-hmm. So now being 2% certified, what are some of the organizations that, that you're working with there in the Bozeman area? Yeah, I am mostly giving um, money and time back to Gallatin Valley Land Trust and Montana Land Reliance. They both work on with landowners on conservation easements in the area, and Gallatin Valley Land Trust in particular also works on developing trails. We have an incredible trail system called the Main Street to the Mountains. Um, it's, I believe, now over 85 miles of trails um, oh, wow. that almost anywhere in town, um, and the hope is eventually anywhere in town, you can hop on the trail and connect you up to the mountains from anywhere in town. And um, I will say they're working really hard in collaboration with the city to help make sure that any of these new developments are thoughtful and are going to be connected into this trail system. 
Okay. No, that's that's great. I mean, what was it about these two organizations specifically that um, made you want to give your time and money back to them? Yeah. The biggest thing for me at first was just the conservation easement piece. Mm -hmm. um, I got interested in conservation work, as I mentioned, from an early age. I grew up on a cattle ranch in Galton Gateway outside of Bozeman. And through circumstances out of my 12-year-old control, <laughs> we we had to sell sell the ranch. Um, and, you know, a lot of that has been developed since then. Um, and it's honestly just heartbreaking. And so that spurred my interest in how to help farms and ranches stay active farm and ranches and keep that land open and productive. And, you know, that's what I mentioned. I was like, I know that's what I want to do, but how do I get there? Yeah. Um, and so the fact that Gallant Valley Land Trust and Montana Land Reliance, you know, do the majority of the conservation easements we see in this area, that's how they both got on my radar first, first of all. Yeah, well, that's that's one thing I found, like when talking with different um, uh, individuals and organizations uh, that are affiliated with 2% and when it comes to giving their time and money back is 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 being able to do it like at a local level, right? I mean, I think that's what... When I, when I first started this company is I wanted to, you know, donate to all these like big organizations that you always hear about uh, and read about and things like that. And, you know, the more I kind of got into it, the more I was like, you know, like BHA does great work. Right. And a lot of it is about access uh, and things like that. But, you know, I, I really honestly don't spend any time hunting in the West, maybe some fishing. Uh, but, you know, I spend a lot more time here in Michigan um, hunting and fishing. So what can I do locally to, to help that, to help, you know, areas where I actually, you know, recreate at. So I think that speaks volumes when, you know, you looked at kind of something that happened to you at a young age. Um, that was like you said, out of your 12 year old, 12 year old <laughs> self control. Um, but as you got older and became an adult, like, you know, how can I make sure that this doesn't happen to other people and, you know, being involved locally is such a great way to do that. So, you know, that's a, that's a job, a very job well done. Thank you. I, I think you're right. I think there's, um, a, a real tangible, um, benefit to supporting a local organization. Like you said, you can see the work they're doing yourself. You can drive by and see a sign that says this property has been conserved or you can go hike on the trails um, and know that you're helping to support the ability to do this. Yeah, I think that's that's a very good point there that, uh, like you said, you can actually see the results or, yeah, the results of your efforts, whether it's time or the money that you've donated going into to positive change. And I think that makes a big difference um, for someone who um, is so heavily involved with conservation and, and giving back like yourself that, you know, sometimes when like you buy a membership or something like that, you you spend your $35 or you make a donation or something like that. And you kind of wonder where that money goes. And, you know, some people may dig into it and try to figure it out. And, you know, a lot of times it's just going into the overhead of whatever the organization is. And, you know, obviously they need that money to, to run and to be able to do all this great work. But, you know, when you can kind of directly point to what you've been able to um, contribute to, it's a it's a it's a different kind of feeling in terms of giving back. Yeah, I think so. And it's also benefited, 
you know, the message I'm trying to send through my business because in addition to just financially supporting these causes, I try to educate all my clients on what I'm doing and why. And it's so much fun to be hosting an open house or something that's near one of the trailheads and I can point out the window and say, you know, here's a prime example of, you know, what it's giving back to and um, people appreciate that and, um, you know, just helping educate new residents as well. We are seeing so many people move here. Yeah. So that was one of the things I wanted to ask you was, you know, when you're talking to uh, prospective clients, whether it's um, helping them find a new home or helping them sell their, their current home. I mean, how often or, you know, what does that conversation look like when you're telling them about, um, you know, the work that you're trying to do for conservation and kind of also have you found that, you know, maybe potential or like referrals um, are coming in because of, you know, kind of your stance and your outlook on conservation? Yeah, I think it resonates with every client a little differently. Um, I definitely have gotten some great referrals from people that know what I'm doing and refer me out, you know, mainly because of giving back to conservation and they want to help spread that message um, and are very supportive of me doing that. Um, the clients that maybe that's not how I got connected with them or that's not their main goal, you know, right there trying to buy or sell property they right. might have something else as their priority um you know even if it's not you know their passion they are very supportive and respectful of what i'm doing um and you know i write them all a letter to let them know where i'm donating those funds once the property's closed and the responses i get back across the board are just are wonderful they love hearing that and they love getting the letters you know, from the organizations directly. I think, I think it makes them feel good knowing that they're also helping the community. Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's a big, a big thing because it's kind of, you know, when they set out to, to sell their home or to buy their, buy their home, like they weren't thinking about, you know, conservation at the time they were thinking I got to move or I need a house, right? Like whatever the case is. So yeah, it's a, it's it's a kind of a, a very good like indirect way for them to to feel that they've contributed to some way uh in some way shape or form to um you know conservation in that area right and you know that to me some of the most satisfying donations i've made are from clients that have moved out of state that had no real connection to you know our open space or trails before and you know, it's, I love working with people that are as passionate about it as I am, but for me, it's more satisfying almost to take those buyers that wouldn't have necessarily thought about it and, you know, tell them what I'm doing, send them trail maps, get them involved. And, um, you know, I think it's that full circle education and those donations that I get to make from them are more, almost more meaningful in some ways. Yeah, no, no, I can, I can totally see that. Now, as far as, um, so what's different about um, your company, Sarah, uh, or being, you know, an agent with Berkshire Hathaway is it's not necessarily directly kind of in the, the outdoor space in terms of like some of the other companies where are like hard goods or some type of service that's kind of directly related to the outdoors. Um, now, have are you kind of a, an active participant in, in hunting or angling or anything like that? I am. I call myself a big hunting enthusiast, but still fairly inexperienced. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I love it. I grew up around it, um, but didn't start hunting myself until maybe about eight years ago, a little after I moved back. Um, and I've been fortunate to be able to harvest some deer and elk, um, but but I still have a lot to learn. It's a it's a process for me, and um, I try to go out with um, you know good friends and people that have more experience and just try to learn as much as I can every season. Yeah, no, there's a there's nothing wrong with thinking or knowing that you still need to learn stuff because I mean I feel like that that hunting or, or fishing in general is just one of those things that you never really master, right? Like you feel, you can get to a point where you feel comfortable and you have an idea, but you know, at the end of the day, like they're wild animals, right? And they're going to do what they're yeah. going to do. So it's, it can always be tricky. Yes. I, I've learned, I've come to find that deer and elk are much smarter than I initially gave them credit for. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's absolutely the truth. And I, I get so many like questions and things like that from, um, like my non-hunting friends that they're like, isn't it easy? Don't they just like walk out and you just shoot them? It's like, oh, you, you people have no idea what yeah. it's, what it's actually like. But it's, uh, those, those are the kinds of people that I like to talk to and try to like really explain to them how, you know, how best like a hunting scenario can kind of play out for you. And they just, it, it's also really cool to see them like you know, ask a lot of more questions and things like that and become more involved in trying to understand what that process looks like. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, some when I was able to harvest my elk, it, it was almost actually one of those moments. Like it, I feel like there was a divine intervention that it was like just shooting light. You could see the elk coming up the draw. We weren't sure if it was a cow or a bull. And then all of a sudden the light was up enough, it turned and it's just beautiful six by six. And I was like, oh my God. And I just knew, like I knew this was my goal. And um, I was able to get it. I still say that's the greatest moment of my life, which my husband absolutely hates because he wants me to stay <laughs> our wedding day, but I just can't. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was, it was incredible. But I've since learned after that, because that was in some of my first few years, um, that's a lot of time and effort you have to put in, you know, in backwoods, especially, you know, on public land. And But really, it's just something I enjoy getting out, you know. It's the best way, I think, to hike and get outside here in the winter. It's usually pretty snow-covered by then. Yeah. Yeah, and this is one of the things that, that I love about kind of 2% and everything that they represent from a, like an inclusion standpoint, right? Because, you know, we were, you know, we're, you know, 20 minutes or so into our conversation here and we've talked, you know, we've been able to talk about, you know, conservation work that, that you're doing personally uh, there in Bozeman and some of the organizations you're giving back to and, you know, your career as a real estate agent. And we hadn't even touched on hunting and fishing. And, you know, I wasn't even sure if you did hunt or fish. So that's why, you know, I wanted to ask you. And then obviously you, you, you definitely participate and, you know, you're an active consumer. Um, so it's cool that we have all this conversation and like hunting and fishing hadn't even been brought up yet because that just shows you uh, the way I see it, that conservation is so much more than, you know, just hunting and fishing. Like there's, there's so many other ways that we can have an impact on conservation. That's a really good point. Um, there's so many different aspects and I think everyone's drawn to it for different reasons depending on their interests and background and it is fun to to learn how different people get involved yeah and that's you know and that's one of the things i think that a lot of people don't understand especially as it relates to two percent is 
all of the different ways that you can donate your time that you know can be considered you know time for conservation um you know so many people think of kind of the obvious things but there's there's you know talking on a podcast can be considered you know time for conservation because you're spreading the message and and things like that so it's really cool to see you know how easy really it is to um, become two percent certified if you're really interested in it yeah that's a good thing to point out i know um you know, Jared, I get the emails about some volunteer opportunities, and so far what I've seen is, you know, pretty focused in manual labor, which is great, and I'm sure I'll help sign up one day when I can, but um, just the nature of who I am and my schedule, you know, that doesn't always work for me. So right now, the way I'm giving back time is to serve on the Gallatin Valley Land Trust Next Gen Advisory Board, Okay. Um, which is a great great honor and um that is filling you know that two percent the one percent of time for two percent um so it's it's a great great thing to do like you said you don't necessarily have to just be out in the field yeah oh yeah absolutely and you know everyone's schedules are different like you just said i mean if you know if cleanups are on a weekend when you're going to be having open houses or taking clients around to new properties like it just that just doesn't work so to get creative and to find other ways to to volunteer and you know i would i would argue that you know being um um in your position with volunteering for that board for the next gen advisors, like, you know, that's something that's going to have an impact throughout, you know, the course of a year or two years or however long you're serving in that position, as opposed to, you know, maybe four hours for a cleanup or something. I mean, not that one's, you know, better than the other. I just think one may have like a little bit more of a lasting effect, you know? Yeah, no, I hope so. It's a good way to look at it. I did um, over Christmas sign up to do some manual labor helping cut down some Christmas trees for a pay-what-you-can lot. And uh, luckily for me, I got there a little late, and they had done most of it. Someone handed me a a saw, and they're like, here, cut down this tree. (laughs) I mean, it was just humorous. I was like, I think I'll just be a a tree dragger. Like, that's more more realistic here. (laughs) Oh, that's good. So let me ask you, Sarah, as, as a real estate agent, and what I found is that when when people tend to kind of work kind of for themselves or, or by themselves, um, and I mean that like as a real estate agent, you know, majority of the time you're, you're working by yourself, right? Different clients and stuff, but, you know, you, you kind of answer to yourself and you get done. You know, you have to, you have to be self-motivated, I guess, is, is what I'm looking for here. <laughs> so what is it about real estate that kind of keeps you coming back, that keeps you focused and hungry and motivated to to continue to do this? Yeah, um, you definitely have to be pretty self-motivated. Um, it would be very easy to say I'm a real estate agent and kind of just go along my day with personal stuff and you know call it good, but then I'd have no clients. Um, I what really motivates me to stay in it is it are the clients. I mean, I love helping people. Um, I mean, it's of course the best when it all works out and you're at closing and everyone's happy, um, but even you know, just helping them through the ups and downs and the unexpected things that happen in transactions, um, because they do, it's life. And just being there and building those relationships is what makes me excited to get up every day and continue working in it. Yeah. And that's, I think that's so important, regardless of, of the line of work or the field that you're in is, is making sure that 
you you enjoy what you're doing and i think when when you're doing that and whatever your profession is it, it shows through in your work right like you just you're that much happier and when you're you know when you're happy you tend to be a lot more productive and, and things like that so no that's it's nice to hear um people who are doing a job because it's what they love not because it's what they need to do you know yeah no there's a a big difference i think in how you go about your job and how you you know your energy you put off when you're enjoying your job to other people yeah no there absolutely is Mm -hmm. um so i want to circle back to to the two percent um two percent for conservation um obviously we've we've touched on it in a few different aspects but how is it exactly that you learned about two percent for conservation yeah actually kind of through instagram mostly um when i first started you know i made a post explaining what i was doing in my business and someone wrote a comment saying you should look into getting two percent certified because it sounds like you're already doing it um and so i you know looked into what it was thought it was really cool um and then i didn't actually apply until i got connected with jared frazier um, with two percent for conservation, he is now serving on our next gen board as well. Okay. And um, once I got to talk to him personally, and I made the the jump to apply, and and that's how I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So I didn't realize that that you were already donating ten percent prior to even becoming two um, percent <laughs> certified. Yeah, I was, which was why I was so excited to see that 2% for conservation existed and to see all the like various businesses that are doing the same thing. And like you said, some are more in the specific, you know, outdoor retail or recreation and some aren't. And um, I loved seeing that there were other people out there thinking of doing exactly what I was doing. Yeah. And that's, that. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but that's, that's like the, the, the beauty behind 2% is, is how there's so many different you know, companies that are out there. I mean, I don't think I've bought coffee from a non 2% certified company, you know, in the last six months or seven months or something like that. I mean, there's so many out there and you just want to try them all and everything like that. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's great to see, you know, like the passion that these people have. And what I've also found is a lot of times people have like a 2% business that's like a second business, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. they have their regular nine to five and then they started maybe a side job or something like that. And they wanted to become 2% certified with that. And I think that's, that just kind of speaks volumes about the people and their character and their outlook on conservation when, you know, they've started this second stream of income, but then they're already giving money away from it and time away from it just to become 2% certified. Yeah, that is cool to see. And I feel fortunate that I'm able to do it through my primary business. Um, and, you know, like you said, I, I was doing this before I even knew about 2%. It was the only way I could justify getting into real estate myself. And um, there's a another company here in Bozeman that gives a portion of their commissions back to animal shelters, okay. um, which is also wonderful and something I support. But that's, you know, in combination with a few other things, that really struck, turned on the light bulb. And I was like, you know, I could do that for conservation. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's 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 great because you know conservation needs all that it can, especially in an area that's as popular as Bozeman, 
that's, you know, kind of growing by leaps and bounds over the last, you know, five to 10 years, as you mentioned, um, that it, it, it needs, it's going to need help at some point uh, along the way with making sure that, you know, we're not, get, that, that so much of the wildlife is not being damaged and, um, you know, animals are just being run out of the valley altogether. Yeah. So, Sarah, um, what is it that you kind of have in store for uh, the next, say, let's, you know, let's say three to five years in terms of the real estate side of things and from the conservation side of things? Yeah, I think, you know, the big goal for the next three to five years is really um, just growing my business. And for myself personally, I want to spread the message of what I'm doing a little further out. Um, you know, Bozeman's growing, but we're still a small enough town that, you know, eventually everyone knows everyone. And so my hope is that when people hear my name or think of a real estate agent, I want them to think Sarah Day, you know, supporting conservation. Um, just that top of mind and, and well-known because even if they're not going to be a client now or in the future, they're going to know what I do and they're going to keep me in mind, you know, for friends and family. Yeah. Now, are you seeing a lot of your clients, are they, are they more local or are you seeing a lot of people that are, you know, from out of state wanting to move to Bozeman or people who have been in Bozeman for, you know, most of their life and they're like, all right, there's too many people from out of town moving in. I got to get out of here. Like, what is that? What does that look like for you? <laughs> well, it's so funny because, um, Almost everyone complains to some level of how many people are here. But the what's funny to me is that I'll be talking to people who have lived here like two or three years and they just moved from somewhere else and now they're, you know, complaining there's so many people. Um, so <laughs> When they're part of the problem, so to speak, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of the debate, right? When are you considered a Bozeman local? Um, wow. So, you know, I'm proud to say that I was born here because I feel like that's you know, clear line, wherever you're going to draw that, I am a Bozeman local. Yeah, you're but, on the right side of that, irregardless. Yeah, exactly. I think it gives me a little little credibility here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, last year I had about a third of my clients from out of state, um, which was, from what I saw, pretty equal to our industry as a whole. Um, we saw an increased demand with the pandemic of people wanting to be here, probably for that open space and, right. and this kind of quality of life moving from more urban areas. Um, but I do think that's going to continue um, seeing that. So I'm guessing that it's going to go up a little bit. You're probably going to see closer to like 50-50. Okay. Now, are you seeing it more um, like on the younger side of people moving or is it more like let's say people have you know lived in a, a larger metropolitan area um, and just want to retire somewhere with less people and you know whether they like to hunt or fish you know Bozeman just seems like a good area or I mean I guess which like which side would that fall on? Yeah, I think honestly we're seeing a little bit of everything. <laughs> um, we definitely have the younger families moving here. So many people can work remotely that a lot of them keep their jobs wherever they are. Um, and move here for the lifestyle of both men, which is understandable. <laughs> and um, those are the clients that you know really understand what I'm trying to do and, and stand for. Um, but we also have a lot of people, you know, a little bit later in life, they're looking for their second home or their retirement home, and um, they're coming here because you know, same thing, they want a little bit 
slower pace than maybe they're coming from, or they want to bike and hike. Um, so a little bit of everyone. Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's the beauty about the out West. And that's one of the things that, you know, my family loves about being out there is just the, the multitude of things that you can do. Um, you know, when you're outside, you can hike, you can bike, you can camp, you can hunt, you can fish. I mean, you can do a lot of those things really in, in, in any state if you, if you want to, but you know, it's, it's the mountains, it's, you know, it's the West, it's, there's just this allure to it, right? That's once it kind of gets its hooks into you, there's, there's just no letting go. Yes, I completely agree. I mean, even if you're downtown Bozeman, you know, you can look out and see the mountains. So even if you're not engaging in outdoor recreation, you still have that feeling of the outdoors around you constantly. Um, I know for me, that was, a big piece of why I moved back to Bozeman because I've, I've lived all over the country and no place just feels the same. You know, this is home. This has that, that connection. And I, I think everyone feels it when they're here. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, <clears throat> like I was saying earlier, you know, when, when we were out there, it's just, it, yeah, it just has a different vibe. And maybe that's just because I'm from the Midwest and, you know, I hardly have ski hills here, let alone, you know, all this other great stuff to do, um, that, you know, I mean, I, we love being outdoors as a family. So yeah, with just like the couple, uh, I was explaining to you, we did a couple, you know, very family friendly, um, probably kind of considered touristy type hikes, but you know, we have two young kids, so it was just something that we could do. And I mean, they just loved it. Right. I mean, we were out there one day and like 40 and you know, half rain, half snow mix. And they just, they didn't care. They just loved it. They, they kept thinking they were going to see a bear or a deer or something like that, you know? So it's, uh, it, it's, it's a great, it's a great place. And I can totally understand why it's, you know, booming the way that it is. Mm -hmm. No, that's funny. I don't, I don't know exactly what trail you went on. I have some ideas of where you probably went, but, um, it's very realistic that you guys could have seen a bear, um, right in town. We had, some sightings and some of our more popular ones this fall and it it drives me crazy because I, I have a confession I have never seen a bear in the wild <laughs> my entire life really yes which you know in some ways is great right like I've never yes yeah, especially been out hunting. yeah right yeah and encountered a bear which is probably where I'm going to see it and then be scared out of my mind but um, yeah, I've never seen one in the wild. My parents have them in their backyard, never seen it. They're on the trails I go to all the time, not when I'm there. I'm like a natural bear repellent, I think. Yeah, but like you said, that's that's maybe not such a bad thing, right? <laughs> it's true, yeah. Well, hey, Sarah, for anyone that's looking um, kind of in the area, whether you want to go, to, you want to move to Bozeman, you want to move out of Bozeman, whatever the case is, where can people um, find you and, and get in contact with you? Yeah, um, best way to reach me is my cell phone. Um, or you know, I was gonna say okay. you don't have to give your cell phone number out here if there's if there's whatever <laughs> yeah. if there's websites, uh, Instagram, Facebook, anything like that. Yeah, don't think you have to throw your cell phone okay. out. Um, well, I mean, my phone number is out there everywhere. That's the you know downside, I guess, of being a real estate agent. So anyone True. can get a hold of you. Um, but yeah, if you want to check out my website, it's sarahdayboseman.realestate.com. Um, and it has my contact info and it also tells a little bit more about me and the specific services I can offer to buyers and sellers. Okay. 
Well, hey, Sarah, thank you so much for taking some time to hop on the podcast today. It was great to, to hear your story about you know conservation and to hear the commitment that you're making um, to the local area there in Bozeman. Um, it's, it's great, and I look forward to uh, speaking to you again in the future. Thank you. I appreciate this, and it was so great to meet you, too. Yeah, you as well. Take care, Sarah. Take care. Bye. All right. Well, a big shout out to Sarah for hopping on the podcast today and telling us more uh, about her real estate uh, venture. I'd also like to thank uh, the partners over at Go Hunt and Stone Glacier. Um, Be sure to check them out online at GoHunt.com and StoneGlacier.com. I would also like to thank the partners over at 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2%, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands, including Sarah, that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop for your gear or coffee, uh, guiding services, real estate, books, beer, wine, spirits, uh, really anything under the sun. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where they're going to post only positive content. So you're going to enjoy some uh, very positive conservation-driven posts in your feed. Uh, So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode with Sarah. Remember, stay safe out there, and conservation starts with you.